Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. This morning I want to talk to you really quick, a little bit about my testimony, because to appreciate where I'm going to go this morning, I think that it's understood that maybe you need to know a little, about, a little bit about where I come from. Um, when I was 17 years old, I was taking a witness training program in, in our local church, and um, I came under a lot of conviction. I realized through going through this program that maybe I wasn't saved. And I went through the week, and there was tremendous conviction on me, and back and forth, you know, am I saved, am I, am I not saved? And then one night I had a dream. And in my dream, God said, get right with me. That's all he said. I woke up in the middle of the night. I was reaching for the phone. I grabbed the phone, and I had one of those old phones that had Mama Ann in the middle of it and her number out beside her, Grandma Rita or Uncle Neil, and had his number out beside her. So I'm trying to dial, and I said, calm down. Just calm down. So I got myself calmed down. I got back to sleep. And then the next morning, I woke up, and I went and I got in the shower. I'm standing there in the shower going, man, I'm going to go to hell. I don't know Jesus. And this verse that my dad used to always quote just popped out at me. It was Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I got on my knees right there and I called her in his name. I said, Lord, will you save me? Will you save me? And I got up and I led somewhat of a changed life, I think. I, morally, I was good. And then I went off to college on a football scholarship and went off the deep end. And for 15 years, I ran from God. 15 years. After 15 years, I was homeless. I had lost a football scholarship, a baseball scholarship. I'd been in the Air Force and out of the Air Force. See, I tried to fill my void in me with everything else except God. And I found myself with my beautiful wife now. She was pregnant with triplets and living in her own apartment because I was so strung out on pain medicine that I, I couldn't get anything done for us. Homeless, living from couch to couch. I remember even going over to my grandmother's place and she let me stay on her couch. And in the middle of the night, I remember my grandfather getting up and he walked over to her purse and he picked it up and took it back to the room with him. Because that's how bad off I was. So me and Taylor, Taylor has the triplets. And when she has the triplets, this joy comes over me, but also this fear of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And she, she would let me, you know, stay on the couch and sleep there, but in the morning I had to leave because she didn't trust me either, and it was no fault of her own. So I remember one morning I got up, and I'm walking out of the apartment, and there was a Bible sitting there, and I picked up this Bible, and I held it in my hand. I was like, you know, I was taught that the truth is in here. And the truth will set you free. I need to know what the truth is. And for the first time in my life, at like 34 years old, I picked up the Bible and started reading it for myself. I started in Matthew, and I'd go all the way to Matthew 7, 21. Jesus says this. He says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those that do the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. I read that. I shut the Bible. I put it down, and I said, God, I don't know you like that. Will you please save me? I think I had a form of godliness, but denied his power. I didn't know him. 
See, to know him is different than knowing things about him, right? John 17, three says, this is eternal life, that we may know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he sent. The word know is an intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. It's intimacy. I didn't have intimacy with the Father through Jesus Christ. I didn't have that. I didn't have it. It was lost, and I asked for it. I called on his name because I needed him. If anybody could have fixed me, it was going to be God. And he did. He put his spirit in me, and I started off on my journey. I started reading the Bible. I started, I started just flooding my gates with the word of God. I would watch sermons and take notes. I would listen to Christian music. Nothing that got in here was anything other than the word of God. And I made sure of it. So me and my wife now, this story ends very well. Me and my wife now, she didn't trust me. And I didn't blame her. But I understood something. That if she and I were going to raise a family together, we had to be married. So I couldn't attend church here on a Sunday morning. However, there was a men's group that met on Monday mornings. And I realized, I was like, well, that's going to be my church. Until I can get off on Sundays, I have to go to that. So I got with a group of men on Monday mornings, Pastor Steve, some others. We got together on Monday mornings and we prayed for 18 months that God would bring me and my family together as one unit. And I remember, praise God. I remember going in my bathroom and I would get on the floor and I would pray. Puddles, puddles, listen to me, I would pray puddles of tears that God would just let me be the man I needed to be for my children. I would pray puddles. I don't know if you've ever prayed a puddle before, but I prayed puddles of tears. Puddles. And I came to Taylor and I said, hey, listen, I said, if we don't get married, I can't live here anymore. And she said, well, I'm not marrying you. I don't trust you. And I said, well, I have to go. And she said, well, do what you got to do. I don't trust you. And it wasn't her fault. But I began to show her a change in me. I began to sit alone at night with the Lord and pray and cry out to him. And she would walk in to get a glass of water in the kitchen and she would hear me doing these things. And I would literally... Thank in my mind, God, I have, you have to do this. Because if you do it, I'm going to raise up a generation of, ch of children that are going to, that, hey, listen, listen, if you don't want to go out and talk to people about Jesus, don't worry. I'm raising up a generation of kids that are going to do it. There's a generation of people coming up right now that they don't care about just coming and sitting in the service and learning something. They want to go tell somebody about the one who saved them. So... I'm sitting in the living room and I'm watching a message about hell of all things by a man named Carter Conlon, who is in, who's the Times Square preacher in New York. And Taylor comes to the living room with Porter on her hip and a vacuum cleaner in her hand walking into, and the guy's just yelling. He's talking about a deacon that was on his deathbed. The deacon was on his deathbed and he was yelling. Please help me, help me, screaming, and his eyes are bulging out of his head. They're, they're going to take me. They're going to get me. And she said, what is this about? Do we have to watch this? And I said, it'll be over with in a minute. And she said, what, what is going on? I said, oh, it's a preacher preaching about hell. And she said, yeah, but he said something about a deacon. Deacon is somebody like a member of a church. He believed in God. And I said, baby, I said, even the demons believe, but they tremble. And she said, yeah, but for God so loved the world. He loved us. I said, yeah. But did you keep reading past John 3, 16? 
Read down to John 3.36 where it says, He who believeth in the Son of Man has eternal life. He who believeth not in the Son of Man does not have eternal life, and God's wrath abides on him. The word believeth not in the Greek, it's apatheo, and it means to disobey. And I watched her just literally step back. And I said, yeah, baby, Titus 1.16, people claim that they know God, but they deny him by their actions. And she looked at me just stunned. And I said, Hebrews 5, 8, and 9, although he was the son of God, Christ learned obedience to the things he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. You can't have faith without obedience. You just can't. That's a byproduct of your faith is to obey and do what he asks you to do. Not perfectly. She stopped me. She said, listen, I see you in here praying at night. I see you in here talking to the God. I see the change in you. She said, but I'm going to be honest with you. If I died right now, I feel like I'd go to hell. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. You ain't got to do that. I said, I can lead you to water, but I can't make you drink. You just need to go get along with the Lord. So we went on about our day. All night, I felt her rolling around in the bed. The next morning, I got, up, got ready to go to work, put my hand on her head, and I prayed for her, and I left. Oh, I never got a text all day long. I was worried. I was concerned. I got home that afternoon. I walk in my house. Nobody's in my house. And I was even more concerned. My God, I've scared her away. She's gone. She's, she's left. And she's taken all my kids with me. And I meandered through the living room, and I looked out the back, and she was standing in the backyard facing the woods, and the kids were in front of her playing. And I literally, I walked up to her, and she turned around, and when she turned around, she looked completely different. I said, did you talk to God today? And she said, I did. I said, you're born again, aren't you? And she said, I am. When can we get married? When can we get married? I said, we can do it right now. Let's do it. She said, well, this is my first time getting married. See, I'd be married for it. I jacked it all up. This is my first time getting married. You think I should have like something? I said, let's do it. Whatever you want to do. One month from that day, we were married. We were married. And we came under, our union came under this right here. Our, our unity is a byproduct of our mission. Our mission is seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, you need to hear that testimony because you need to know where I'm going and how, and how I feel about the things I do and the things that I see going on in churchianity a lot. It's scary. I have more Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses coming to my door, knocking on my door and trying to hand me pamphlets about some false teaching that I know about and that I will literally follow you. And I tell them, I'm going to follow you around my neighborhood and I'm going to debunk everything that you have to say. Don't, don't come in my neighborhood. They don't even come in my neighborhood anymore. And they know not to come to my house. I love you, but I hate what you do because you're teaching people a false Jesus. You're teaching people they have to work for something and they don't have to work for that. It's been paid for by the blood. But this is what I see. But God placed this in my heart, and he's given me this spirit. I can't help but when I talk to you, if I don't know you, in at least five minutes, Jesus is going to pop up. I'm going to be concerned about your soul. I don't care if I know you or not. At some point, Jesus is going to pop up. He is. He just is, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
You understand that? This, this, is, this is my passion. It's making sure that the people in my oikos, in my sphere of influence, know Jesus Christ. That's why God gave you a fingerprint. I, nobody else has your fingerprint. It's because you can touch people that I can't touch. You don't go get your friend and say, man, I gotta take you to church so that you can meet my pastor and get saved. No, wait, 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 you got this wrong. He didn't say bring them in, he said go. You got to go. You gotta be equipped. You gotta be equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because if you're not equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the people that are in your sphere of influence are suffering right now. Because you're not being light to them. This is important. This is the most important thing. It's telling people about Jesus. <laughs> if you could, will you put Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 up? I want, I want to show you something. So this is, this is something the Lord showed me. Read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat of the fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. Now, what's the one thing that you notice about that? What sticks out? The one thing that I saw that stuck out to me was that the man was absolutely silent. He said absolutely nothing. He didn't say a word. And she said we, she used the plural. So we means like me and, do you see what I'm saying? So he stood there the whole time and did not say a word. He knew what to do and he did not. And that is sin. He knew to do the good thing and step up and say, hey, 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 hang on a second. Hey buddy, I named you. I see, I had to name all the beasts of the field, serpent. I gave you the name. I have authority over you. You need to hang on a second. Because in about five minutes, yeah, God's going to come walking in the cool of the day, and we're going to fix this issue. But he didn't say anything. He kept his mouth shut. And see, this is where this, this, is, where this is from. The reason why we don't speak, the reason why men don't take authority in their homes and speak is because they still think that what Adam did is greater than what Jesus did. And I'm here to tell you today that it's not. We serve a how much more, God? How much more? Adam did this, but how much more, Jesus? This is, this is so important. I cannot stress this enough. We are to be the breath of God on a dying world. Do you understand that? This... This is, this is who we are and what we're supposed to do. You have to understand something. And I think it's Colossians. Did I give you Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 through 27? Will you put this up for me? Maybe. Okay. I have become its servant by commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. 
the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of glory, the hope, word hope means expectation. Glory is doxas, where we get the word opinion. The expectation of God's opinion is in you. If you don't declare the expectation of God's opinion in you, it's vain glory. If you could go to Philippians chapter, you got it? Yeah, there we go. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. The word vain glory, vain conceit, it literally means, it's kinodoxa. It's coming from a place of your opinion. Conceitedness. Oh, I got the answer to that. I know, I know what to say. You understand that anytime you speak to people, either you're speaking idle words that don't mean anything, or you're speaking redemptive words, reconciliational words, things that draw people in and go, man, you're different. This is the words that we speak. And okay, so it's very important that we understand how we are spoken to. Let's go to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at various times and in many ways. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus, in whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being. He sustains all things through his powerful word. After making purification for sin, he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He is above the angels, just as his inherited name is above theirs. To which angel? Did God ever say, today you have become my son and I have become your father? He speaks to us through his son, Jesus. Now, if he speaks to us through his son, Jesus, how are we to speak to each other? Through Jesus. How are we to speak to the world? Through Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the expectation of opinion. You have an opinion in you that has to come out. It has to. It has to come out. Let me tell you something. This is the warning. God works by his word. This is how God functions. God works by his word. Nobody gets saved by you handing them a bag of food or clothing or money. Do you understand me? Nobody gets saved by people watching you do good things. That's how we glorify our Father in heaven. But nobody gets saved by acts of kindness from us. People get saved because they hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how people get saved. Do you see that? 2 Corinthians 4.13, I don't know if I gave you this, I'll just go with it. We have in the same, this is what Paul says. He says, we having the same spirit of faith According as it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. If people only see you hand out good stuff to people, all they see is religion. It's the worst thing in the world. Because religion tries to dictate transformation. And that's God's job. Religion says, you're not moving as fast as I am. You should be further along by now. Why aren't you as further along by now? 
You should be doing this and this. You should be here in the church and doing these things. You're not, why aren't you doing them? Because I'm not further along as you because some people need to be more transformed than others. How about a word of edification? How about lifting me up? How about telling me you're doing a good job? Think about that. This is what we do. This is, this is what causes discord in our church. And let me tell you something. In John 17, 23, Jesus says, I and you and you and me and they and us so that the world may know that you sent me. The world won't know that Jesus was really sent until we come into unity with one another. Do you see that? Faith isn't something that just comes about. If you ever meet somebody and they say, I believe in Jesus. Well, how did you come to know Christ? Somebody laid hands on me and, I had a, and made my leg grow out. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great miracle. They laid me down. They said, your leg's shorter than the other one. And he said, in the name of Jesus, make my leg grow out. And his leg grew out. And that's how I know Jesus, because he made my leg grow out. That's ridiculous. And that's, what, that's a lot of the stuff that's going on in our country right now. People wanting to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, my gosh. We need to see signs, wonders, and miracles. Let me, can I make this statement that the Peter and, and, and the, the disciples all saw signs, wonders, and miracles? Peter denied him three times. People saw signs, wonders, and miracles and did not believe. That's not what makes you believe. That's not what brings you into a place of believing. The gospel is what brings you into a place of believing. They have to hear the message of Jesus. They have to hear the gospel. Telling somebody Jesus loves them is good, but it don't save them. Handing somebody food is good, but it doesn't save them. We should be more concerned about the soul of the person than the well-being of them. Because we serve a God that can destroy soul and flesh. Romans 10, 17 says, faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have to hear the word. Hearing by the word of God. How do, how do we please God? Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If you don't tell people about the Lord and give them an opportunity to come to Christ, this is what happens. They don't know Jesus. They just know you and the good things that you did for them, which isn't a bad thing. But at the end of the day, you have to break out of your shell and say, okay, listen, I'm going to die to myself today. This is tough for me, but I'm going to die to myself like Jesus died to himself. And I'm going to talk to you. Hey, hey, listen, man, I've been working with you for like three months. And um, I don't know if you know Jesus, but can I talk to you about Jesus? Do you, do you know him? Are you intimate with him? Now, if that person says, yes, I've been waiting on you to say that. Oh, praise God. Now I'm off the hook. But if they said, I don't want to hear nothing about that. Um, I, grew, I grew up in church. That's the one thing I always get. I go to church. Well, I don't, how can you go where you are? You are the church. You're the ecclesia, the called out ones to call forth the kingdom of God. And how can I go where I am? I'm there. I am the church. I am the church. People need to hear the gospel. 
You have to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The Bible says in Romans 1.16, Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, from your faith of a mustard seed to his faith of a mountain. It's revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness of God that is being revealed is how a man may be made right with God. Beware of anybody that tells you they're preaching the gospel to you and they have not revealed to you how you can be made right with God. I'm here to say today you can be made right with God by seeing and believing in Jesus Christ and Christ alone for salvation. For in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and in was life, and that life was the light of all men. And the light shined forth in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it, extinguish it, or distinguish it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but he came to bear witness to that light. Why would God need a witness to the light? He doesn't need anything. If he needed something, he would not be God. He's not dependent on anything outside of himself. Why did he need a witness? He didn't need a witness. In his humility, he chose to share himself with us. The word became flesh, dwelt among us, tabernacled within us, and we beheld the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus would cause the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He would cleanse the leper, and he would raise the dead. Such were some of us, dead in our trespasses and sins, blind to his word, deaf to his vision. He would be sold out for a bag of silver by Judas. How many times do we sell him out for less than a bag of silver? He'd be denied, denied three times by Peter, the closest one to him, who saw signs and wonders and miracles, denied him. He would be taken to a courtyard, punched, slapped, beaten, mocked, had his beard pulled out, crown of thorns in his head, a cat of nine tails across his back, pulling his flesh from his bones. This is the God I serve. Look how good he is. Look how good he is. The Bible says in Isaiah that he was marred. His head was swollen three times its normal size. He was unrecognizable. He was made to carry a tree up to a hill called Calvary. And what happened on his journey? He fell. And a Roman soldier grabbed Simon and said, go. Pick up that tree and carry it along with him. Wait a minute. Jesus is God. Why would he need somebody to carry a tree for him? He doesn't. In his humility, he decided to share his divinity with us. Jesus would be taken up to the hill, the place of the skull. But Isaiah would say that he was laid down, he was pierced through for our transgressions and our iniquities. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man would be lifted up that anyone that would look upon him and believe would have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe it in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For Jesus Christ did not come into this world to condemn the world, but he came into the world to save the world. Praise God for that. Jesus would be hung high and stretched wide between two criminals, a murderer on his left, a thief on his right. The murderer is yelling out blasphemies. If you really are the son of God, get yourself down, get me down. People are jeering from the bottom. If you really are the son of God, get yourself down. If you really are the son of God. This is what's always eclipsing my mind. 
the thief on the right hand would have known things about what David said in the Psalms. He would have possibly remembered that in Psalm 22, this was already prophesied about. And I can only imagine him on this cross having this revelation and going, Master, Master, remember me this day when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus saying, Jesus saying the most beautiful words in all of scripture. Truly, truly, today I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus would look out at the crowd. He'd say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. We don't know how much we sin every day. We don't know how much we need the blood of Jesus. We don't know. You don't know. I don't know. He knows. He would look up, say, Father, into your arms, I commend my spirit. Because Jesus said, no man takes my life, I lay it down freely. To tell us die, it is finished. Jesus would give up his spirit on the cross to send to the lower parts of the earth. He would preach to the captives. And I can only imagine he said something like Revelation 118. I am the one who is dead and now alive forevermore, and I hold the keys to death and hell. John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father, say they come by me. Jesus holds the keys to death and hell, and he holds the keys to eternal life. Jesus Christ holds all keys. The road is narrow, not because of anything that you do or anything that you have done. The road is narrow because Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only way. 1 John 3, 8 says the purpose of Jesus Christ's manifestation on this earth was to destroy the works of the devil. Did you hear me? Stop blaming the devil for all your problems. He ain't got no work. He's out of work, broke, busted, disgusted. You get that. Man, the devil, man, he don't mind. I'll tell you what. No, devil ain't doing nothing to you. That's you. Do you understand 1 John 2, 2 says the pro, Jesus was the propitiation for all sins of the world? And, and Paul makes, I mean, and John makes a very distinction. He says, not, not just for us, but for the sins of the whole world. Your sins are paid for. That's, that's the duty of the church to call out the kingdom and say, hey, you're better than that. I see you how you're living. You're better than that. Jesus has paid for your sins. You're set free. Receive that today. Receive it today. Receive it. The only thing that will get you in hell is rejection of the son. That's blasphemy of the spirit. Your sins are paid for. Receive that. Walk in it. Colossians 2.15 says he overcame powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them through what he did on the cross. <coughs> Think about that. Jesus marching into the camp of the demons and saying, I want you, boy, and pointing out the devil. And he walks up and Jesus just, oof. Sucks all of his authority out of him. Said, I got your key. And walks off. Jesus would ascend back to the earth on the third day. Stone rolled away. He is not there. He is risen. Praise God for a risen Savior. Praise God for a Savior that went into the trenches and fought for us and won the battle for us. Praise God for him. Praise God for him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he appeared to Peter first, then the 12, and then over 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, eating and drinking with them. For 40 days he ate and he drank with them. And now we have a follower of Jesus Christ and a sect of mercy and grace hitting the earth like you've never known it before because a man did a three-year ministry 
And he was risen on the third day. And he lived and he ate and he drank with people for 40 days thereafter. Jesus would call his disciples together. He would say, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth, so therefore go make disciples. Mark 16, 15, go preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. But first, wait, first, you're going to need some power. Go to Jerusalem and wait. Acts 1 and 8, you will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. The word witness in the Greek is where we get the word martyr or martus. It means somebody that saw the faith that Jesus had in the Father and what he was willing to do, which was die on the cross, and they say, I'm in. I'll do that. To be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the world, please hear me when I say this and don't get offended. If you cannot walk next door to your neighbor and talk to him about Jesus Christ, don't go give a bag of food and candy and and toys to people overseas. It's got to start there. We've got it all backwards. We don't call people in. We go to people and, and invite them to be a part of our family, which is really the only family. Jesus would ascend out on the cloud. Hebrews 7, 25, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he lives to intercede for us. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's the spirit of prophecy. I'm just going to be real with you. If you know Jesus today and you're not actively thinking about people in your life that maybe not don't know Jesus, he's given you the power to do it. See, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came down and it meshed with your spirit. Born again, the word born again is where we get the Greek word gineo. It means you've been regened. If you came from a family of drug addicts, alcoholics, and you got born in, guess what? I'm not from that family no more. I'm from this family. This is my family now. I don't have, that ain't following me. I'm raising up a generation of kids who are going to take the world by storm for the gospel. I, I'm not, I ain't got time to sit back and go, man, that's just a generational curse. Keep following me. No. I'm not of that. This is what I'm of. This is my family. I've been regened. I've been born again. <laughs> Let me show you something real quick. Because this is important. Because you'll never get there if you don't know your identity in Christ. You'll always just think you're a sinner saved by grace. And let me show you something. If I walk up to somebody and I say, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by the grace of God. Not a lot of power in that, right? Did you know nowhere in the Bible is that phrase, that you're a sinner saved by the grace of God? It's just a compilation of things meshed together. It's kind of like the, the Trinity. I've never understood that because there's a simple word called Godhead in the Bible. Just use that. Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But it's just something that's kind of meshed together. You know what I mean? Like sinner saved by grace. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You know what you are? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what it says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am an ambassador for Christ as if he was making his appeal through me. I am the salt of the earth. I am a city set on a hill. I am the light of this world. I am the same light that Jesus produced. I am that light. 
I am a partaker of the divine nature. I am a son of light and a son of the day. I am a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You need to get up in the morning and you need to tell yourself, this is who I am. I am not what this world calls me. I have the same power in me that God exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. I am not who you call me, I'm what he calls me. I'm of the opinion of God, not the opinion of this world. The opinion of this world is vain glory. It means nothing, it's conceited, it's without hope. I am of a hope, I am of a glory that the God of the Father of Jesus Christ has come down and rested inside of me and he's called me to do something. He's called me to do something. First Peter 2, 9, Chip, I love this verse, you do too. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What is the purpose of you? To shew forth the praises of the one who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. You want to see signs, miracles, and wonders? Start preaching the gospel. You want to see a mighty move of God? Start preaching the gospel. You want to see revival come to new hope? Start preaching the gospel. Start telling people about Jesus. Start giving them a hope and not something that they could just go and do tangibly. Just tell them about Christ. To shew forth the praises. I love that. Shoo forth means to declare, to announce the praises. You know what the word praises means? It means manliness. It means manliness. Look it up in the Greek. Manliness. Another word would be valor. Somebody who sees just a terrible thing about to happen and says, I'm, I'm going. Come on. And runs right in the midst of it. That's Jesus. He saw the sin in your life. He saw how dark it was and nasty it was. And he said, I'm going to bow down and I'm going to get between that thing that's eating at you. Because what, what his wrath is, is anything that gets between him and his love for you. Come down and just get between it and fight for you. That's what he's doing. The Holy Spirit's just down inside of you, cooking up a ruckus, just making a ruckus, fighting for you. But this is who you are. This is why you share the gospel. This is the premise. This is the, this is the apex of, our, of, of what we believe. Jesus says this, and I'll close. Mark chapter 8, I think it's in verse 35. He says, any man who wants to gain his life will lose it. But any man who loses his life for the sake of me and the gospel, will gain it. It's not just about you having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about you conveying that other people can have that relationship too. Go be light to the world around you. Now here's the important question I have for you today. I've just sit here and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. You have heard the mighty word of God. As somebody that was a drug addict and homeless eight years ago, here I am. Here I am. Send me. I am a testimony that no matter where you are in your life or no matter what you're going through, God can take anything and make it into what he wants it to be. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, and I don't mean like know him intellectually, I'm talking about if you don't have an intimate relationship with him, you need to get yourself up out of that seat and you need to come on down here and get with somebody and pray to receive Jesus Christ.
And if you can't do that, you need to call on his name right now. Listen to me. Don't leave here today not knowing Jesus Christ. Every day is a present. It's a gift from God. Don't leave here today not knowing him. Don't leave here today going, well, it's easy. He makes it so easy. John chapter 6, they're following him. What is the will of God that we must do? Jesus says, this is the will of God that you must do. Believe in the one whom he sent. Huh? Okay. Well, what are the works of God we must do? These are the works of God you must do. Believe in the one whom he sent. Your work in the will of God is that you believe in the one whom he sent. Believe today and receive salvation for yourself. There are some of you in this room, listen to me. You don't know Jesus. I can't come up in here and be like, oh yeah, everybody knows Christ. Kumbaya. No, I can't do that. Because some of you don't really know him. You don't really have an intimate relationship with him. You just know things about him. Let me tell you something. I know a lot of things about Michael Jordan, but if I go over to his house and knock on his door, he'll have me arrested for trespassing because he, ain't, he don't know me. You don't want to get arrested by God because he don't send you to jail for a little while. He sends you somewhere else. So that's it. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.